Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This is a public service announcement from Jason Kepler of Radio Motherboard. If you were unable to download any of our episodes from the last couple of weeks, we had a malfunction, a bug oh, in no. our system. I know it's terrible. Hi, Adrian. <laughs> Sorry. Um, no, I interrupted can, the public can, service you announcement. You can interrupt. Our RSS feed got screwed up, but it should be back up now. So if you're not listening to this, please let us know because that means our podcast isn't working. If you are listening to this and have had trouble getting it somehow Definitely let me know because uh, I believe it's back up for everyone. But if it's not, that's something we want to know and get fixed right away. Anyways, thank you for sticking with us and dealing with the week of downtime. It was very scary for us. But now we're back. Okay, bye. Are you conscious if you're a robot that is aware that you're a robot, but your decisions are still governed by your programming? Are you only truly conscious when you have free will and you're making your own decisions? Does free will exist even for humans because even we have some kind of programming in our DNA that is interacting with the environment and maybe that's what's controlling our decisions instead of what we think our consciousness is? So it gets pretty hairy. Okay, do you want to do this for old time's sake? Yes. Hello, this is Radio Motherboard. I'm Adrienne Jeffries. It's so good to have you back for one episode. Thank you. It's so good to be back. Yeah. Uh, I am Although Jason we are Kepler. in my office. We are in your office. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so we're in this very futuristic foam room. We are at the office of The Outline, which is a new website about news and culture. You can find it at theoutline.com. And it's in Soho. Did I say that already? We're in Soho. We're in Soho, but uh, also on the internet. You don't have yes, to come yes. to Soho to take to advantage experience of, the outline. Yeah. yeah, although that would be cool. Yeah. A location-specific website. We're going to talk about Westworld, and you have a really good Westworld podcast called Out West. It's the best one I've listened to. Also, the only one I've listened to. Thank but. you. It's really funny on iTunes. It's like your subscribers like also listen to, and then it's a bunch of other Westworld podcasts. And I'm like, are there people who are listening to like eight Westworld podcasts? Well, I've been wondering. For people who listen to Westworld podcasts, because there are so many, how do you choose one? And I think you have to dabble in a few and then decide which one you like best. Mm, True. That makes sense. Well, ours was focused on fan theories and going into the weeds on what we were wanted to predict about what was actually happening in the show, because there's a lot of misdirection. We tried not to do a lot of recapping. We tried to really talk about what could happen next or what could be really going on. And I've watched every episode at least twice, some of them three times. I have watched every episode once. I fell asleep a couple of the middle ones, but (laughs) I did read about them and I listened to most of your podcasts. I will say that your predictions were spot on. I was very impressed. Very good. Yeah, I was congratulating myself on that too. And then I realized how many predictions we threw out. We kind of covered ourselves. 
we basically predicted everything possible. You did predict everything possible, but I feel like you went most in-depth on the ones that... Yes. This episode is not going to be about predictions. It's going to be about the science of Westworld, of which there's not too much, but I did want to use it as a chance to talk about <clears throat> artificial intelligence and machine learning and the singularity. Before I get too far into Westworld, I wanted to start this off with a little bit of science from an expert. I was recently at the Machine Intelligence Summit in New York City, and I had the chance to interview Antoine Bord, who is a data scientist at Facebook. He does basic research into language artificial intelligence. Fair warning, I had to record this on my phone, so it doesn't sound amazing, but it should be fine. You're working on natural language understanding. What is the state of that field of research right now? What is possible and what's not? That's the tricky question. It, it all depends about the conditions, right? So usually when we talk about conversation, we make the distinction between open and closed domain. So I would say that open domain is when you expect a bot to be able to answer and discuss about everything. So there is no restriction about what the bot can do. You should be able to talk about the weather, to talk about your grandma, to talk about... Uh, the elections or whatever. I mean, the, the, this is completely broad. And this is almost impossible for what right now because it requires an understanding about the world and some co- knowledge that is very, very large. So I would say that the open domain bots are very difficult right now. What we can actually achieve right now and that can get better is what is called closed domain. So in the sense, the chatbot have a very specific task to achieve, like booking a restaurant, give the weather, or I don't know, uh, set up the music or this kind of thing. So when you have a specific task uh, that can be a bit complex, like booking a restaurant or booking a plane ticket, then I think we're moving towards something that works. But as soon as you try to have the bot that is a bit broader than what it's supposed to do and you want to go off path, then it gets very hard. How do we move closer to this sort of open domain intelligence? Because that's going to be needed eventually, right? That's the most important question in AI, I would say, because it's about underlying this is basically the problem of trying to get common sense and world knowledge to machine, so that they are basically, even on topic where they are not specialized uh, specialized on, they are basically an understanding and they can actually discuss and not say silly things, because they have a global understanding of how the world moves and evolves, right? And that is very hard for machines right now, and many researchers actually working towards uh, getting this. And it comes from language. We try it with language by trying to learn the machine to read Wikipedia. This is what I explained today. Disgusting. But it's also from different modalities. And there was a talk this morning as well about trying to get, uh, not from Facebook, about trying to get machine and understanding about how the world moves in videos. So the idea is to have a machine that can look at the video and try to predict what's happening next in the video. Uh, which is not connected to language directly, but actually underlying is the same thing. If you're able to predict what's going to happen in a video, it's mean that basically you have some kind of common sense, and you know how things move, what are the motions of objects, that people, when they come close to each other, they might hug, their, uh, hug or shake hands, this kind of thing. And these are the first step, I think, towards like getting away of having machines having common sense. How has machine learning changed since 2004, specifically within the language modeling world? So everybody's talking about the deep learning revolution, which is the using neural networks. Uh, so neural networks have been around for a while, actually. They've been designed in the 50s, let's say the first model. The first actual model that looked like the one we use are more from the 80s, but this is not. So in 2004, most of the models are still used right now and very powerful already existed. Um, but the difference is that uh, we didn't have the 
the computational power to train them because uh, basically these networks needs to have like a very big machine to be trained on and so this wasn't existing at the time so this was slowing everybody down and we didn't have the label data sources as well to train them so the two key ingredients are uh, faster computer and usually GPUs and a lot of label data and in 2004 we didn't have any of those so this was not working and so the whole field of language understanding were using a different types of technique more based on traditional system based on rules that are expert system this kind of thing and a bit of statistical system that were on top of it but now we are basically removing all the rules and all the expert system and replacing everything by statistical system and neural networks this would not have been possible without the, the GPUs and the new computers. People always want to know when we're going to get the singularity or to true artificial intelligence. What field do you think is furthest along uh, towards that goal and which field is most uh, in its infancy? For me it's mostly science fiction right now. I mean I see the day-to-day -day work, it's really like small, small, small progress. Really in a closed domain, it's a very specific task. Uh, so. Uh, the, what's called the general AI, where basically you would have this AI, which is this open domain, general AI, talking about everything. Nobody's actually really working on it, where everybody's working on, on specific problems. So I would, I mean, the singularity, everything for me is very, very far. Not even sure that it would exist uh, right now. And and uh, depending on, so, and for your question about which field is actually moving the fastest, I mean, getting. So I don't know what's getting closer to what because I don't know what's the end. What I can say is that in terms of what is useful right now in, in application, I think the speech recognition is getting very, very good. So speech transcription, we're talking right now and we would like it to be transcripted in text. Uh, this is getting very, very good. Uh, we're making a lot of progress. It doesn't really require reasoning or word knowledge. It just requires like, being able to handle the speech signal very well and we are very, very good at that. The same for images, being able to identify the object in the images, being able to identify maybe the boundaries of the object, which is called segmentations. We are getting much, much better at that. Um, so all what is called like the, the basic perception, uh, listening to speech uh, and uh, finding the, the, the object in images, this is getting better. But all the key part behind it, which is reasoning and common sense, I think we, are, we have so much to do. The science in Westworld is very impressionistic. What do you mean by that? They have ideas from science theory, but no concrete science or attempt to make scientific explanations for the technology that is in this fictional world. It's also set in 2015 is the first. Which is ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> Which is pretty wild because we don't have anywhere near anything like robots that would be that convincing. I like that there's not that much science in it because I feel like if they tried to do it, they would just kind of screw it up. But they do, you know, they're like, here's the science or I mean, here's this technology. It exists. And they do raise a lot of the ethical problems or yeah. questions that I feel, which is important and, and necessary. Yeah. It's also straight science fiction. It's like when they started talking about the maze and everything, I thought maybe it was going to go into magical realism territory and there would be some sort of like, it's just magic, but everything is supposed to have a scientific explanation. The maze is one of the things I understood the least. Make a decision and it, you spiral outward and make a good decision, you spiral right. inward. It turned out to just be a metaphor weird metaphor. Of, yeah. yeah, But this idea of the bicameral mind is something that I found really interesting and it was a theory 
first espoused by a psychologist called Julian Jaynes in the 1950s, I believe. Mm-hmm. And the book is called The Origin of Consciousness in the Breakdown of the Bicameral Mind. And it's basically this idea that 3,000 years ago or so, humans had two voices in their heads, one that told them what to do and then one that did the thing. And the voice that told them what to do is the voice of a god in this theory, Mm -hmm. Uh, basically. It's something that came up in Snow Crash as well, if you read that book, which honestly was a part of Snow Crash. I didn't really understand until Westworld, which Mm. was funny. Mm -hmm. Do you think that this is a good way of inducing consciousness or you want to talk about well, the nature of consciousness yes I suppose. nature of consciousness it's like what is consciousness and we ran into this problem while we were doing the podcast because it was like a semantic issue are you conscious if you're a robot that is aware that you're a robot but your decisions are still governed by your programming are you only truly conscious when you have free will and you're making your own decisions Does free will exist even for humans because even we have some kind of programming in our DNA that is interacting with the environment and maybe that's what's controlling our decisions instead of what we think our consciousness is? So it gets pretty hairy and we ran into some of these questions too at Motherboard when we were doing the artificial intelligence theme week and there's a lot of debate in the field of artificial intelligence about what constitutes artificial intelligence like siri on your phone is an ai and it's a human-esque ai that's can be pretty convincing you can say something to it and it can respond and it seems pretty human-like um for a while at least but at what point does that like when do you get to call that ai can you call something like siri ai because it's very impressive whatever it is but it's not truly artificial intelligence in the way that humans are artificially intelligent is still just a computer executing commands, picking up on keywords, delivering information from fields in a database. Something that came up a lot at this artificial intelligence and machine learning conference I was just at is that every artificial intelligence that we have right now is essentially a big lookup tree or decision tree Mm -hmm. or neural network, which is just a more complex decision tree. Mm -hmm. And the question is, You know, when do we get away from that? And can a decision tree type AI ever be considered artificial intelligence if it's just very good at looking up information in a database? I think the answer is we don't know. And that question gets closer and closer to whatever it is that humans are with our own programming, I think, which is kind of the core question of Westworld is when does something cease to be human or when does something robotic become human? Where do you think Westworld landed on this question? Anthony Hopkins' character has this speech where he talks about how there is no difference. There is nothing that humans have that the hosts don't have. And the only difference is that the humans control the hosts and the humans can erase their memories. I think Westworld is saying that the characters that are hosts are equal to humans in how much they deserve our empathy. Yeah, I'd agree with that. As for, like, what constitutes consciousness and what constitutes free will, I think the show, like, teases around that question. The exploration there is less about scientifically what is happening in a computer that makes it achieve consciousness and more about... Morality. Yeah, exactly. 
Yeah. It's like, when does it become immoral to treat robots like your slaves? Which is something that's come up in real life before as well. Motherboard has done a few stories about it. And it, it's too early probably to start worrying about this seriously. But I did a podcast before about people sexually harassing Siri and Cortana and right. Alexa. And the main concern there was that spiraling out into human-to-human interactions but, you know, there's also the society, it's basically like the PETA for robots, which we've done a story about. There's just basically this guy who got really angry that every uh, Boston Dynamics video has a human kicking a robot at some point. <laughs> yeah, and, wait. Yeah. <laughs> and then, I mean, it's come up with the campaign to stop sex bots, which is another mm-hmm. group who I did interview in that previous podcast. And it's something that Westworld did really well. And I think it's Maybe a little too early to seriously start grappling with that, but it is a question that it did bring up and didn't answer. But mm-hmm. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. If you had to guess what year we could actually have technology, like what exists in Westworld, what would you guess? 2100 maybe at the very yeah. earliest i'd say yeah i was gonna say like 2090 at yeah. the very earliest anytime you're able to interview a bunch of artificial intelligence scientists uh you have to ask them about the singularity as annoying as it is and as annoying as they find that question mm-hmm. and every single person is just like <laughs> we're not anywhere close to it yeah it, and the uh, singularity is when a computer achieves the intelligence of a human brain right so all the computers that we have now, none of them are as powerful as the human brain. Every artificial intelligence that we have right now that you regularly interact with, whether it be Siri or Cortana or Alexa or even just like Google Maps, is a closed domain, meaning that it's very good at doing very specific tasks like mm-hmm. looking up restaurant recommendations or directions or something like that. But once you get into an open domain type situation where Mm -hmm. it has to be able to do multiple things, it it can't do that. We haven't even broached that subject yet. And that's obviously something we'll need before we can get into something considered true general artificial intelligence. Right. That's also putting aside the question of how lifelike the robots are. Right. Which we've advanced pretty far on that too. But I think every human-like robot is in that uncanny valley where people are like, like something's you know, wrong, yeah. something's off. Yeah, I mean, that was interesting because in Westworld, they started off with mechanical robots and then moved on to 3D printed or mm-hmm. potentially human juice mm-hmm. type things. But yeah, we haven't started grappling with, are we going to make life like skin or real skin or 3D print skin or something like right. that? And I don't think that's going to happen anytime soon. Yeah, I actually don't know if that's a harder problem than... The AI thing. I I guess it would be easier. Well, so there is that branch of technology that's happening right now in terms of medicine for humans, and it's not advancing very quickly, like synthetic Mm -hmm. biology type things like growing. Mm -hmm. Uh, Xenotransplantation is a big deal where we grow human organs inside a pig and then transplant them back to humans. 
So I guess theoretically you could, you know, that's Martine grow. Rothblatt's thing. It is, yeah, mm-hmm. and a couple other people are into it as well. And Martine Rothblatt, you know, ha- is uh, the pharmaceutical CEO and transhumanist who has tried to create a double of her wife. So that's Bina. Mm-hmm. You should check out Bina. I'm going to put a clip of Bina right here, actually. My favorite color is orange. It is a very nice color. Are you learning anything about gardening online? I wish I could get out into the garden. With my current robotic limitations, of course, that's impossible. But I take comfort knowing that I'm near my garden. And enjoying the breeze from an open window helps me imagine myself out there working in the garden. Very interesting. Always wearing the same outfit. Yeah, you got to change like, sometimes. Yeah, you have to have That's one thing Westworld did well is made Dolores wear different outfits. Can you imagine how confusing the show would be if she didn't wear different outfits? Like, okay, she's wearing pants. Honestly, I had a very hard time following Westworld without podcasts such as yours and Reddit and yeah. recaps. Had I just watched the show and tried to form some theories on my own, I don't think I would have gotten very far. We Which is the question I have for you is... How many of those theories did you come up with? We leaned on Reddit really hard. We came up with our own original theories. Um, Josh Topolsky, who is on the podcast and is also the editor-in-chief of The Outline, came up with this idea that they're on the moon, which we're still kind of like, they might be on the moon. I came up with the idea of the meta-narrative, which turned out to be a big deal. That one's huge. I also felt really strongly about this theory I called the false AI theory, which was kind of informed by what I know about AI, which is that about how hard it is to actually create real AI. So I had this theory that the show was going to be toying with you, making you think that the robots were waking up, but actually they were just acting out their programming. Came true partly with Maeve. Yes, exactly. When they're like, you're actually in the escape narrative. But... I think the show is now pointing us away from that. I'm not convinced that Maeve makes her own decision at the end, though. I wasn't either, but the fucking showrunners said it. Oh, really? I hate hate when they say things. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like they feel like they have to say things because people are speculating so wildly. Yeah. So I picked up this thread about the bicameral mind like way earlier in this podcast and then never really finished that thought. Oh, right. But that is something that AI researchers are starting to do is have... It's not exactly the same thing, but they're having artificial intelligence interact with each other versus interacting Mm -hmm. solely with humans. And a big deal with that was back in October, Google created a type of encryption that essentially two robots were sending messages back and forth to each other. And then a third robot was trying to break that encryption. And eventually uh, they created a protocol that the third robot couldn't break. Uh, wow. which was interesting. And humans have no idea how this encryption works. Wait, do the humans know what the messages are? Did they create a situation where two robots were sending messages back and forth and we don't know what they were saying? I think that's what we ended up with. <laughs> yes, I think I, I believe that's like the end result is wow. that they came up with the type of encryption that is unbreakable by the third robot and also by humans. And they don't know how the encryption protocol works. Wow. That's not exactly bicameral mind, but it is when you have robots interacting with each other, they can teach each other things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, that's in Westworld too. There's a scene where they're like, why do the robots always talk to each other? Which is something like that as practicing. the audience, you're probably asking. Yeah. And the answer was, yeah, they're, tr- they're yeah. always trying to error correct. Yeah. Because if they were interacting on their own and they weren't practicing, that would potentially suggest that they were conscious, mm-hmm. would it not? Right. Or they had like hopes and dreams and goals. Right. Well, Anna just seemed like wasteful. I don't know. If you're a park director. Yeah, you don't want them to use all this 
all their energy. Yeah. Drink Westworld's booze on their own. Yeah. Do the robots drink? The robots drink, but I was always wondering if they get drunk because they have bodies. So we don't know what's in their head, though. We think that it's brains, but we're not sure. So if they don't have a brain, then they wouldn't get drunk. In which case, it'd be a huge waste of booze. Maybe booze is plentiful in Westworld universe. On the moon? Yeah, on the moon. Yeah. I don't think it's on the moon. I I think it's on Earth, but I have no reason to believe that. There's a deep Reddit theory about this. Yeah, I saw the... uh, The Finnish subtitles. Yeah, the Finnish subtitles, which is amazing. (laughs) Which I I guess it just means that there's like a Finnish Redditor who watched it with subtitles on but i like to think that it was like an american who went through every single mm, language yeah. subtitles mm. it's not that but <laughs> <laughs> you never know with these redditors they're listening to every all nine it's westworld true. podcasts that's true another thing that is starting to happen in ai research which could give us something closer to westworld type intelligence is the idea of removing the rules for AI. Removing the rules. Removing the rules, yeah. You mean letting like them... the Isaac Asimov's three rules of robotics? Not those rules, thank God. Not okay. yet. Do you know but those it's rules? It's like a robot may not bring harm to a human, a robot may not bring harm to itself, except, except if it's to... saving a human. Yeah. Those are the three, right? Is that three? I think it's a robot. Yeah, we should look it up. We should know I'm this, or I should... I'm almost positive it's a robot cannot harm itself. A robot should not harm a human. A robot, a robot may not injure a human being or through an inaction allow a human being to come to harm. A robot must obey orders given by human beings except where such orders would conflict with the first law. Wait, so is that three? I think it's like rule one, rule two, and then rule three is like if not rule one and two right 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 okay yeah so rule one is a robot can't injure a human being or through an action allow a human being to come to harm number two is robot must obey orders from humans except where it conflicts with rule number one number three is a robot must protect its own existence as long as the protection does not conflict with the first or second laws okay the rules that i'm talking about are say with a chat bot google did something called google brain last year where it gave a chat bot transcripts of millions of human interactions, human-human interactions, and said, hey, learn from this. And then it just chatted with it. But it took away the rules that were saying, hey, this is a technical support call. You have to stick to, like, technical support things. Mm -hmm. Uh, So then you start talking to it, and it riffed on whatever it had learned, and we didn't know what it had learned or did it get feedback from the researchers saying, like, this was a good answer, this was a no, bad no, answer, that's this was a weird thing. It answer? No, no, that's It didn't get any of those feedbacks, mm-hmm. so it, uh, it learned on its own. There is a branch of artificial intelligence researchers who believe that uh, when machines can teach themselves, they will learn much faster than with a human providing input, at least. Seems logical. Yeah. What was the most dystopian, far future thing that you heard at this convention? It involves journalism. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so news I, writing robots. It wasn't news writing robots. Hearst has a data scientist there, and I spoke to her, and they have developed something that will basically choose the best photo to illustrate a news article, mm-hmm. which is fine. Whatever. That's interesting. I hate finding <clears throat> That's photos. That's a job. But it will base it on the text of an article and it'll look it up automatically. And they hope to use that to inform the headlines. And so they want to have artificially intelligent headlines and artificially intelligent leads. And 
they want to use artificial I'm intelligence. Making a very skeptical to, face. Yeah, that's what that yeah was all about. So they want to use artificial intelligence to choose story angles, essentially uh, that traffic well. This sounds like the desperate dying gasp yes. of a magazine publisher. Yeah. Hopefully, Hearst doesn't listen to this. <laughs> <laughs> that was dystopian to me in the sense that I felt very threatened. Also, now that we have <laughs> this whole misinformation, fake news thing going on, it's mm-hmm. kind of like oh. We're going to have real publications choosing stories based entirely off of robots, decisions, algorithms, which is... Gameable algorithms. Yeah, gameable algorithms. And right now we have a lot of decisions being made by humans based on data, such as Chartbeat and Facebook likes and shares and things like that. But they kind of spoke of a queue of stories, essentially, that were pitched by robots and would be written by humans or edited by humans, potentially. But the humans would be pretty far removed from... I'm sure there are some people who think that this could be a solution to the fake news problem. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, honestly, it sounded pretty cool if done carefully. I spoke to mostly cool AI researchers who are working on very small problems. Like I spoke to someone from NASA who is working on a firefighting robot that will use sensors to determine whether a fire is safe for a firefighter to go into, like a structure is safe if it's going to break and an interesting thing there is they only have a very limited data set of dozens of, say, fires that they've used uh, sensors on to determine whether it'd be safe or not. So that was an interesting programming problem because usually you have these massive data sets and they didn't. I also talked to someone from Facebook who you've heard in this podcast, but he works on the basic research side. And so while Facebook is doing a lot of scary things with artificial intelligence, especially in the messenger bot, he is worked on working on the basic research type side of it. So I didn't hear much dystopian stuff from him, I'd say. I wonder, like, what's the goal of making post-singularity artificial intelligence? I guess the idea is just that all the research that humans have been doing could then be done by machines, and then we would get all of the knowledge possible all at once. Because I'm like, I look at something like Google Now or, like, where Google just, like, automatically puts my airbnb on google maps because it found it in my email and i'm like that's an amount of artificial intelligence that i can be down with yeah but i mean when you think about google maps yes it's incredibly helpful self-driving cars seem really useful automated drones seem really helpful as well but i don't know those are very specific tasks and that's that's not general ai right so why general ai i don't know i I think I, i think that's what it is is like if you have a a truly intelligent AI that can do things faster than humans can, then all of a sudden it's like, we can stop all work. It'll solve all the math problems. It'll solve all the, it'll like, yeah. And it's something that hasn't played out thus far with, uh, with limited AI in terms of leisure time and things like it's made things a lot Mm -hmm. easier for humans in our day to day life in terms of getting around and, using things on our phone, but it's also taken a lot of jobs. And, uh, you know, that's a a good thing, but we don't have a backup plan right now. And so I think the goal of general AI is essentially to enslave robots and have them do our bidding, but we don't know. Like Westworld. Like Westworld. Like Mm -hmm. that's kind of the goal, would you you say? Yeah, that that does seem to be where we're headed. Right. But the question is what happens to the humans who don't help develop that who aren't the owners of the robots like the owners of the robots get fabulously wealthy and the rest of us 
are an underclass unless we do something to distribute the wealth. Right. Because the way it's pitched is like no one will have to work again. Right. But in reality, there will always be some stratification. Yeah. We'll have to like oil the robots' butts and stuff. They can they can do that they though. Can they can oil their own themselves. Butts. <laughs> I know. Even that job is taken away. Oh my god. Yeah. Oh, there man. will be nothing left. It's fine. I'm I'm really interested to see where Westworld season two goes though, because if they do explore this, the nature of consciousness and what a conscious robot will do and what yeah a robot society would be like. Uh, I mean, I I'm on board. I don't know. If I'm totally else feels- on board with a sci-fi of Westworld. I'm not sure. If I kind of feel like this might be the most introspective episode, I feel like this the the finale was like it was like a sh- it was like a shoot up. It was like a it was like an action movie. Yeah, the final it episode really was. was, and I feel like it's kind of going into that territory where it's going to be like the Matrix for the yeah. next season. But I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, Maybe I mean, it'll continue to be philosophical. I've seen a few reviews where people say there are no humans left or there are very few humans left. So right. what are they going to do? Uh, and frankly, I'm on board with no humans. I would like to mm-hmm. see the robots struggle to create a society or struggle own, yeah. with like immortality and things like that. So um, I don't think that's where they're going to go with it. But if they do, I think that is another interesting mm-hmm. avenue, uh, interesting path um anyways i think that's a good good place to leave it right sounds good to me yeah let's leave it there uh thank you so much adrian for coming back it was a pleasure this makes me very happy but also sad it makes uh, me warm and fuzzy for the days of my radio motherboard episodes yeah can you um tell everyone where they can find your work now again oh yes at theoutline.com yeah and also your podcast is called out west Right. The Westworld podcast, which has just concluded, but maybe back again in 2018, is called Out West. We have other podcasts. The one I'm working on is called Sound Show. It's really cool. It's a podcast about sound. Please check it out. I did the second episode. And uh, yeah, if you like it, maybe rate it on iTunes. Okay, thanks. How does it feel to make a podcast and then not have another episode of it for two years? So (laughs) very scary. Yeah. Oh, wait, you mean the, the Out West one? Yeah. Um, like it was a pretty successful podcast, I think, because you I had mean, people call in and listen. Yes, and yes, it was. It was, really good. it was really fun, and the audience reaction was really cool, and the fans were all really You'll smart. Just do it for other they, shows, I guess. They sent us emails, and they would tweet at us about where the episode was, and that was all really rewarding. I think I'm a little relieved that it's over, because I don't know. I would like watch the episode at nine, and then I would wake up early the next morning and watch the episode again, and. I don't know. We just talked about about a lot of Westworld and I like have other projects. So, yeah, you're not a uh, I am. I am like I I would definitely be watching the show if it came out earlier. I'll probably be okay with waiting until 2018. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you. I'm Jason Kebler. This episode is edited by Tim Barnes. And thank you guys for listening. 